Welcome to Something Blue, wedding planning with a 21st century bride and groom. My name is Aaron. I'm the bride. My name is Maxwell. I'm the groom. Today marks 385 days until our wedding day. Woo. Just a disclaimer, these are our personal opinions and experiences. This is not a commentary on anyone else's choices in their wedding planning process or marriage. You do you, bitch. So let's get <laughs> into it. Uh, we're back. Sorry about uh, missing last week. <laughs> we were tired. <laughs> we, yes. <laughs> um, it's been a lot this past month, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more so now that Max is just the hottest new commodity oh, in goodness. independent film making. Yeah. Max will please elaborate as I drink my iced coffee with cold foam that I just discovered today. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, I've been working on different sets uh, over the past couple of months, and I just it just happens to be that uh, I, you know, working as a sound mixer, there's not a whole lot of us uh, for, you know, within the school mm-hmm. itself, and so I've worked on pretty much every buddy's thesis film. Uh, and now it's starting to branch out. And right? now it's starting to branch out. All of them are on different projects and they're calling me back. And, and I'm even getting calls from people I've spoken to once but that know that I exist. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting. It's like I'm getting I'm getting a lot of work from people who know of me. Um this is cool. Which is it's yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty fascinating. It's uh, like six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Right. You got hired uh because you always talk about me on set. Yeah, so that was yeah. <laughs> so I was on set, um and uh I just I talk about you a lot because I, I love you and <laughs> you and I are so um accomplished together and disgusting. <laughs> and so I, I brag, you know, I'm braggadocious about my uh, bodacious babe and Ooh, so <laughs> and so um that was this, cause for divorce that, that really comment. Oh, <laughs> wow i i i i the fall of rome uh <laughs> um but just because i am um such a man who's in love with his woman people like seem to enjoy that um that i as it was stated um it's nice to see a man who uh, raises up his wife um, because apparently that is not a very common thing, <laughs> which is <laughs> super unfortunate. But um, so people want to work with me because, you know, I'm I'm a good guy, you know, and, that's and that on that, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm still and I'm not like the best at my job. Right. I never will be. I'll never be the best sound mixer in the world. Um, because who can quantify that? Um, and I'm still learning and I'm still new. Right. But the most important thing that I have learned so far, the most important thing is to be, um, someone that people want to work with, you know? Correct. And I am learning that in my area of new jobbedness as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, like I'm bonding more with the students um and i'm feeling very like chaotic in terms of what i'm teaching them when i'm sure i will completely redo everything next year but um uh it's it's less about like honestly (laughs) because i teach an elective it's less about what it is in particular that i teach 
and more so how I teach it and Mm -hmm. how I conduct the classroom right now, how I establish myself and my relationship with my kids, because then all of the material will follow. Yeah, because you can come up with a perfect lesson plan and it just not happen that way throughout the day. And that's like, I think it's so not on my mind, the skill level part of it and like the actual material that I'm teaching because classroom management and like relationships with students are so much on the forefront of my mind as with most new teachers and most new people in any job anywhere. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, like that's what people have really stressed to me is like, just focus on that because that is the most important thing. And then once students feel like you are valid in not only like what you're teaching, but how you're teaching, they will listen to you with anything that you teach. Yeah. And I think that with, with the, with the classes that really count, you know, with my advanced theater, with my extracurricular department and everything like, um, that's really starting to happen. Uh, and I'm really starting to build that relationship and establish that I am someone with a lot of knowledge and also that I want to like impart that in an ethical and inclusive way. Yeah. Cause with acting teachers specifically too, it's like, um, it's not always the most ethical practice the way that like they will kind of lots of directors and um, acting teachers will really focus on trauma and having students tap into that trauma in an unhealthy way rather than looking at it as like areas to learn areas to grow to like, you know, I could go on forever about it, but we had, we start, we're starting to have conversations about that and really creating a safe space where students feel like they can learn about, things that have they've experienced and apply it through acting. Yeah. Instead of let's sift through these really hard moments in my life and, and use it on them. stage. Yeah. yeah. Relive them. Yeah. Instead, like, you know, really looking at the character and looking at the root of their emotions as a way to heal this, the actor's experience and yeah. to, you just, you know, kind of, kind of in a backwards way, but it's been really, really fun to, to start that. And, they, they've been having a great time. Um, and, and, so and, you, and you, yeah, I was going to say, you seem to be having a better time uh, now that that kind of yeah. focus has shifted to that. Oh, yeah. And like my beginning classes are there. It's a struggle every day. <laughs> but but I'm also just like learning. OK, I can't jump with both feet in and have them just per- perform on stage. We're going to take it back a couple notches. And you know what? That's OK. And it's OK that maybe those classes don't have as much to physically perform at the end of the year because maybe they'll have more that they feel connected to uh, at the end of the year. And like, you know, they, they actually learn something rather than being like thrown into something they weren't ready for. Yeah. Um, speaking it's, of being yeah. thrown into things you aren't <laughs> ready for. <laughs> um, we're God, we talking, love our segues. I know. Look at that. That was so natural. Am yeah. I becoming a teacher? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Um, we are talking about sports speeches today the dreaded topic amongst both people having a wedding people attending a wedding and most people on earth most people on earth that's Uh, what is public speaking is the number number one one fear fear. amongst human beings number two being death Death. the (laughs) almighty end i can't people would literally rather die than public speak i know i know people who have said that that's who, have, who have said I would rather be run over by a bus insane right now. Insane to me. Yeah. But some people just are not <clears throat> okay with it. Like they're just not um, comfy. By now, you know how we feel about a lot of trends and traditions. <laughs> and hopefully researching the history of many of these 
have helped you form your own opinions about what to and what not to do during your big day. But the one thing that I think needs to happen no matter where you stand on it is speech etiquette and reform. Absolutely. Everybody needs to know about this. That's why in college, it, speech is a required class yep. because it's something that everybody has to learn. It, it honestly, just for s- communication purposes, even if you never speak in front of a crowd, take yeah. understanding like the art of communication will save your relationship with every human being you have. It will save your job. It will save your marriage. It will save your relationship with your kids. It, everything. If you understand the art of communication, you will have a less difficult time in life. Yeah. Because I, communication yeah. is hard. Even something like as simple as how to format an email properly. like Right. Or how to format a sentence to actually communicate what it is you're really trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. It's like, okay, well, you never learned how to like establish what it is that you do mean and formulate that sentence correctly. As a person who grew up... Um, never being able to communicate properly <laughs> um and uh the all the heartache that goes with that um learning how to communicate more effectively at now starting you know a few years ago mm-hmm. um actually putting forth the effort to learning how to talk and communicate a message um i i think this is even more important Absolutely. Now, knowing all this stuff. And I think that when like people don't take it upon themselves to learn and grow in their communication skills, it puts the responsibility on the other people to just inherently understand what you're trying to say through subtext and to basically decode your message through your words that might be incorrect. And it creates a big strain on any type of relationship you could have with that other person. (laughs) I've had to tell you. I've had to remind you that the people who are speaking when you when you're having an issue with somebody, I which remind is often. you which is often <laughs> I have to remind you that they are not educated on that stuff. Right. And so but you have to look at it through the lens of they don't know that. It's well, not that they're that's what frustrates yeah. me. As yeah, like it's frustrating. People rely on the individuals who do understand communication skills more uh like I mean, I guess more deeply and rely on them to just, oh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I hate I hate it when they're like, Oh, well you get it. You know you know what it is I'm trying to say. It's like I don't because I it, that's that's asking me to trust you so much that I can just like what I will assume is your real message is is that. But I, I could be completely off because I'm only going based on the words that you have physically said to me. Yeah. Like I can't read your mind. I can't decode this like weird communicate. It's just <laughs> dedicate some time to communication skills and building, especially if you're in a relationship. Yeah. Because inherently for one partner who may have more communication skills or who may need more help with that, it's just going to cause such a gap um, that's going to lead to strain just in the roots of your relationship if you yeah. cannot physically communicate with your partner. And it is hard. Like, I've had to mm-hmm. rewire a lot of my thinking in the past couple of years to try to learn this stuff. And it is it is difficult, and it is, it is a deliberate decision mm-hmm. that you have to make to learn this. Yeah. You have to put forth the effort. And there's a lot of times where I don't want to. Right. You know, I'm like, I just don't want to 
learn this. It's difficult, and and I'd rather you just understand me. But that's not how things work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, whether you are just learning about communication skills to establish your relationship, or you are getting ready to give a speech to a group of people, um, these things you need to keep in mind, right? But before mm-hmm. we start to talk about tips and tricks, let's talk a little bit about the history mm-hmm. because, you know, we got to So it's customary nowadays to have everyone in your mother make a speech at your wedding, <laughs> even if those people are not comfortable speaking and regardless of what it is that they actually have to say, right? Yeah. So people associate certain wedding roles with speeches rather than considering who is speaking and what it is they'll be saying. Mm -hmm. And please remember, people like to hear themselves talk. A majority of people, even if they have bad communication (laughs) skills. Oftentimes, people who have the worst communication skills are those who love to hear themselves talk the most, right? Um, And combining a high-stakes event with high emotions, stress and tension, and usually alcohol... And it makes for a pretty unfortunate cocktail of uncomfy speeches. Yeah. So speeches and toasts date way back, right? Like further than our recorded history. Because as we know, stories were passed down verbally since the beginning of like our understood humanity, right? So before written history, there was oral history. Um, And you can classify any kind of storytelling as a type of speech, Right. Because it has a beginning, middle and end. And usually yeah. there is one speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me make this clear. There is a slight difference between a toast and a speech, uh, especially at a wedding. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know this before. I thought that th- for the most part, they are interchangeable. But um, when we look at the origins, they have very different meanings. So a speech is a short talk. Uh, emphasis on short <laughs> meant to honor the wedding couple and their family um, it usually lasts between three to five minutes and it may include like personal stories uh, which are anecdotes heartfelt expressions of feelings maybe even readings quotes poems um, scripture verses and a speech is usually but not always concluded with a toast Hmm. So if that's the case, what is a toast? So a toast is a short statement of well wishes to the wedding couple and their family. So it's followed by a signal for guests to raise their glasses and drink. So this could be something like, like, please join me in toasting or like just raising your glass high following by like, you know, a cheers, you know, this will conclude a speech. But sometimes people will just stand up and toast alone. They'll be like, Hey, I'm Aaron. I'm best friends with the bride. And uh, I just want to say thank you for having us here today. Well wishes to you. Cheers. Like that's a toast, right? Done. Love it. A speech usually has a message that you want to communicate from the speaker to the couple. Right. So when you hear the clink, 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 clink of glasses, usually the person getting up should get prepared to say a toast, not a full blown speech. Right. So that is something like I wish a lot more people understood (laughs) because you can stand up and be like, hey, I just wanted to toast to the bride and groom. Woohoo. And not feel obligated to stand up and like have a whole speech prepared, like because the sentiment is nice. Right. Um, But it's not a speech. It's not time for a speech because the speeches are designated for specific individuals that are usually asked during the reception to speak. I have this issue where 
I, if I start to say something, I want to make sure that I say something like meaningful before I finish speaking. Right. And if I haven't gotten there yet, I will continue to ramble until mm-hmm. I've like made the point that I'm looking to make. And I think a lot of people suffer from that too. It's like yeah. I could very easily make a toast that is two sentences long. That's just a well wishes. But you know where that comes from? What? People start talking before they realize what they're saying. Exactly. So, and I do that every time I open my mouth. No, but most people do, right? Well, if <laughs> most people, they they think that when they, they, they know they want to say something, but they don't know maybe how they want to say it, right? Or what it is that they're actually trying to say. And they think if I start, I will find myself along the way. And then what actually happens is it ends up snowballing because you get some anxiety <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I've been talking too long. And then by the end, you can't find the punctuation to your sentence. Yeah. So in order to do that. (laughs) I've done that many times. Right. So we'll talk about how to really collect your thoughts um, later on. Which is why I'm glad that you cut this recording, you know, and you you edit so that I don't do that. Right. As much. As much. Sometimes there's nowhere for me to stop you. Uh, And it's cute. So I just let you keep going. Uh, (laughs) So the origins of toasting can be traced back to ancient societies in the form of raising their cup as a drink offered to the gods. But there's also evidence that the ancient Greeks drank to each other's health, which can be seen in works like the Odyssey where Ulysses raised a glass to Achilles. Mm -hmm. So there's some like early written history of these toasts, right? Yeah. And we covered some of that in mm-hmm. uh, a previous episode. So yeah. Very interesting, you know, Roman traditions. Right. Um, so cool side note. Um, I think we've also kind of brushed past this in our brief history mm-hmm. of ceremonies, but, um, or of receptions, but, um, we call it a toast because wine was not always like good. <laughs> <laughs> and to what they would say, cure the spirit of the wine's rancidness, a burnt piece of toast was placed in the pitcher to absorb some of the acidity. Yeah, because it was it was like very uh huh like yeah very gross. sour. Um, it still is. And the host <laughs> would the host would eat this piece after everyone had uh like finished the wine as a sign of graciousness to their guests. So then when in Just weddings, sopping wet bread. Mm-hmm. So then in weddings, the bride and groom would eat that toast. And that's where it's like, okay, we're going to give a toast. So we're going to drink all this wine so that they can eat their toast. And so like drinking Cute, it, but also toast, ew. it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but that's like <laughs> wh- why they call them toasts. Um, so, <laughs> Toasting at weddings uh, specifically dates as far back as the 6th century when there was a gathering. um, The Greeks would pour the wine from the common pitcher where there was the toast on the host. The bride's father would drink from his glass to like first to prove to his guests that there was no poison placed in the wine. That's right. Um, And so the warring because most often weddings were had when there were warring neighbors and the war was ending with a truce that Which, ended in a marriage between the families. Yeah. So there was a lot of like issues. And so this toast happened to basically be like, Hey, we're having this wedding. We are joining these unions. This is not poisoned. Yeah. Um, and so then they would like 
end in that truce, right? And then at the banquet celebration, this is where the toast began. Yeah. Um. So I think it's really funny <laughs> that what we now know is like the traditional speeches and the, oh, okay, here's the speech portion. It came from alcoholism and poison. <laughs> like, um, I just think that that's, I think it's funny to think about where it specifically came from and then what it looks like now. Yeah. So one like, of, and, and I, it's so funny to, to watch people, you know, talk about these things and, and, and know that they have no idea where it comes from and kind of see their thoughts on it and their take on it. It's very it's interesting to to observe. One of the biggest ironies now that you know the history of this is dry weddings with speeches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thinking about the just the origins. Not saying that it's like oh this has to be about drinking or whatever. Just knowing where it came from and then knowing where it's present in other weddings. It's just funny to me. Um like most traditions. Yeah. <laughs> there's a um there's a video game that david and i used to play um and it had a character there was a bunch of little mini stories that you could find Mm -hmm. and you just read it's like a little short story um and this character has been alive for like a thousand years and there's one story where it talks about a celebration like he's in town and they're Mm -hmm. having this festival and he was there 200 years ago and the festival was really about one thing and now it's about something completely different. Right. And it talks about like every 50 years, people forget like what it really was. And so they, yeah. they make it. It's very interesting. And the same thing happens in real life. Oh, yeah. Like the evolution yeah. of tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first ever written accounts of like a wedding toast, it was in the 16th century. It was in Shakespeare's The Merry Wives of Windsor, where the character Falstaff says, go fetch me a quart of sack, put a toast in it. And it's like, all right. Cool, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's like one of the first written accounts of a wedding toast. Well, use using the term toasting. Toasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then by the 18th century, toasts were a common practice in weddings that signified the first drink taken by the honored guests. So at weddings, it would be the bride and groom. Uh, the guests in attendance would follow the drink, but like, you know, they would wait to drink until the bride and groom have had yeah. their first drink. Uh, and this would signify the first drink of the night. That's kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And there's like a specific order too. Uh, the bride has to go first in being poured the wine as well as drinking the wine, followed by the groom, followed by the wedding party in order of like maid of honor, best man, um, bridesmaids, and then groomsmen. And then um, mother and father of the bride, mother and father of the groom, and then the rest of the guests. And yeah. that is also the order in which they drink their first sip. Cool. Yeah. That's so cute. Like that, that is like wh- how it, that is very, very, uh, very traditional if you were to follow that specific order. I know some cultures still do that. Yeah. Um, and again, it's linked to like superstitions like, oh, you have to drink first or it's bad luck. Right. Um, right. So as tradition has evolved, people have begun to add more anecdotes to their toasts um, to make it more personal, creating full blown speeches with a toast at the end. So it just evolved into, yep. I got to say more. It's it's like. Right. A, like I have to outdo yeah. the last person or, <laughs> oh, I already heard this type of speech at the last wedding I went to. Now I need to say something different. Yo, uh, uh, 
uh, Brett over there has had a, a great <laughs> speech the at the last wedding. Watch my speech is gonna be even better. You go, Brad. Go. Go, like, Brad. <laughs> um. So the question that many people ask is like, who gives a speech and when? So I found this article, this um wedding wire article that uh will establish based on very deep tradition who is supposed to speak and when. Um, so we're going to just okay. go through that and then we will talk about it. So it's understood that you have a rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding. Um, okay. yeah. And so it's like a gathering. You have dinner with it's usually the immediate family, the wedding party and then any out of town guests. And you, that is where um, the host of the rehearsal dinner, which is usually the um, mother and father of the groom, mm-hmm. give speeches. The wedding party, with the exception of the best man and maid of honor, can all give speeches if they want to. Um, and then the couple can give a speech. And then that's when, like, you can ask grandparents to give a speech if you have, like, a close aunt or relative or something. That's at that point where you can usually ask those people to give speeches and so a lot of the rehearsal dinner is dedicated to like your honorable mentions that's interesting because i always just assumed that it was like just that a rehearsal and then dinner you know like this is what we're gonna do this is where we're walking this is where we it stop, really you know? just depends on your venue honestly yeah um if you are having a uh, wedding ceremony in a church you have to have a specific rehearsal because it's led by the uh, priest or pastor or rabbi or whoever is like conducting the ceremony. And so there are very specific rehearsal procedures right. that you and your party have to go through. If it's at a like more, um, more secular event uh, venue, then you can conduct your ceremony rehearsal however you want. Um, and then usually you will go to a separate place to have a dinner. And at that point you can basically give speeches and it's just like a time to let everybody kind of talk and reminisce and be like sentimental without yeah. without taking up too much time during your actual reception. That's interesting. I, I just I never. Yeah, I never knew that that was like a, a common practice. I think that honestly, having speeches at the rehearsal dinner rather than the reception is the best way to go, especially if you know you have a lot of family who will want to say something. Yeah. And then just establishing very clearly before if you're really like no speeches to let your family know that ahead of time so that they don't go into the rehearsal dinner thinking I'm going to give a speech. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we have to talk about this at some point because it's it's bugging me. Um, we recently just rewatched the Twilight Saga. Correct. Just very recently. Just very recently. Thanks to my students. Yeah. Um, and I and I agreed to do it. Um <laughs> And uh, there's a moment in Oh my God Breaking Dawn Part One, um, <laughs> right truly, after the wedding. It truly captures the essence of what we're trying not to happen. Exactly. Like Stephanie Meyer has a lot of things wrong, but she did she did do this part right. Right. So there's <laughs> there's a montage of speeches. Oof. And I think it's one of the more entertaining points in the entire franchise because of how awful it is 
Like, yeah, you've got the dad who's threatening to kill the husband with a gun. You've you got have the mom who's singing a lullaby. Oh, my God. You've got the friends who are like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe that he liked Bella. Like, you know, and they're not me. Uh-huh. And then they're like, just oof. It's it's really, really bad. And the, then you've the got the brother who makes sexual innuendos. Exactly. Yes. OK. You have yeah. The, mm-hmm. the sister who talks about lack of fashion. Like, it's yeah. just there's a there's. It's so bad. It's mm-hmm. so bad. Yeah. And um, I think the whole rewatching those movies was worth it to be able to <laughs> reference it in this podcast. I, yes. And that, that's why we did it. Truly. That if, if you're still just you, you don't understand why we don't want speeches, go watch yeah. that scene. Yeah. And that is exactly, that's all you need to know. Yeah, truly. Right. You, the, uh, the discomfort you feel, everyone <laughs> will feel. Um, so, then, so like a rehearsal dinner, yeah. it would be perfect to get all of that out of everybody's system. Yeah, and then it's not <laughs> as big of an audience. It's not as big of a time like thing where it's like, your rehearsal dinner, yeah, you're usually paying for the space or you're like having a catered dinner, but it's not like the wedding day. And I don't think anybody's like, I need the rehearsal dinner to go perfectly. Right. You know, everybody says that about the wedding. Nobody says that about the rehearsal dinner. Right. And so it's more lax. It's it, there, There's more freedom to mm-hmm. allow that. Absolutely. To yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, if you do want to ask people to do speeches that are like, you know, not maybe up to par in terms of <laughs> wedding reception performance, a rehearsal dinner is a good place to ask them to speak. Um, so then you get to the wedding and it is understood that the best man, maid of honor, the host, which is usually looked at as the bride's father, uh-huh. and then the couple will all say something. Um, the best man gives a speech that it, it traditionally the order is the best man kicks it off. Then the maid of honor follows Mm -hmm. and then the host. So the bride's parents or the father of the bride, depending on who wants to speak, will follow that. And then the speeches will conclude with the couple singing a thank you thing. You can also vary the order and the hosts or the parents can give a welcome speech right before dinner starts. See, that makes sense. Right. This can also be like um, if you are like, you know, religious, the the host or your parents or whatever can um, say a blessing before you get food. And then as food is kind of concluding, um, maybe right before the cake cutting or whatever, then your best man and maid of honor give their speeches. And then after the cake cutting or maybe right before the cake cutting, the couple says their thank you. Yeah. Um, This is a very traditional format. It does not have to happen like this, Mm -hmm. Um, nor do those people have to be the people that speak. So in reality, you should pick the people that are giving speeches based on two key factors. And these people need to hit both criteria for this. Okay, (laughs) this is really important. Yeah. This person that's speaking should have significant meaning in your life or in the couple's life. And they should have the ability to public speak. Yeah. If you know your maid of honor who you have known since birth, you love them so much, but they vomit every single time that they have a microphone in their hand. 
they are not the person to give a speech. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they can't be your maid of honor. They absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. Do not pick your maid of honor, your best man or anybody based on their ability to public speak. Absolutely not. That is not what we're saying. But we're saying do not make it a requirement that your best man and maid of honor have to speak if they won't be able to do it well. Yeah. Like your best man. So important to you. Somebody who is just really been there for you is a great friend, but um, will not know anyone other than you at the wedding. Yeah. So may not be in the best position to give a good speech. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, and just like it, it's, it's important to know that those two things need to both be present. So you, if you have a cousin that you're really, really close to that you love, that you know will say something really kind and will do it in a successful way, ask that person. They don't have to be your maid of honor. They don't have to be, you know, your parents. If you know that your parents maybe were hesitant of this union or they're a little frustrated or maybe they don't want to speak to half of the family and they're going to maybe say something not so great, don't ask them to speak out of obligation. And I think it's funny, like we... We did a whole wedding nightmares episode on speeches, you know, and and family being awful, mm-hmm. and a lot of time it was during speech where they said something dumb. And if you know that your family member is either problematic or has a shitty opinion, don't give them the platform. Correct. You know, even if they say that they won't do it, just go ahead and err on the side <laughs> yeah. of caution. Your wedding is not a day to be super experimental. (laughs) And that's just like a blanket. Don't be experimental with, oh, I've never public, I've never had a public speech before, but I could do it on your wedding or, oh, I've never tried a smoky eye, but I'll do it on my wedding day. Like just in general, oh, I've never had spicy Indian food, but let's go ahead and pick this caterer. It smells nice. Like if you've never had it, (laughs) maybe not choosing it for your wedding. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) So it's it's a good rule of thumb that those two criteria and I will say it again somebody who is significant in your life that when they speak they will have something of meaning to say and that they have the ability to public speak they don't have to be amazing speakers but they should be comfortable enough that they're not going to faint mm-hmm. or like revert Sweat profusely right or revert to like a weird accent <laughs> just like just you know you know who your people are. And if you don't have anybody that meets both of those criteria, you skip speeches and that's completely fine. And you find alternative ways for guests to communicate with you during your day. We'll get to alternative uh, in a second. Yeah, absolutely. So how to have successful speeches when you are planning a wedding? Yeah. I've got three tips. Number one, number one, Give everyone speaking proper notice ahead of time. So prior to the day of. Yeah. Right. Ideally a month, two months, even prior to that, to give them time to really sit and think about what they want to say. Give them a time or word limit. Very important. Uh-huh. And this time or word limit should be very brief. Say I need it to be under three minutes. Right. So that in the, in reality, it'll be under five. Yeah. Say, I need it less than a thousand words or I need it to be less than a whole page. Right. Um, and then let them know when during the evening they'll be speaking so yeah. that they don't so they have time overdo to prepare, yeah. it. Yeah. They don't overdo it on the open bar 
knowing not knowing that they're gonna speak way after dinner yeah you know um so just like giving them a timeline and giving them enough time to prepare is going to create the ideal atmosphere for your speech number two tell your dj who will be speaking (laughs) when like physically point them out to your dj yeah physically do it because if you're like oh my best man and then you've got like a drunk dude coming up like yeah i'm the best man i am a best man right like it's just right it's really easy to get around that physically point them out uh and then only allow those individuals to have the mic and make sure that your dj is like in control of that yes so tell your dj you know i'm not even comfortable with you handing it off make sure you're right there and that you are physically like handing it to them and then taking it back like i don't want it to travel at all yeah and then number three do not no matter how much you think that it's going to go well no matter how much people may be pressuring you to do this do not have open speech time just don't do it don't Don't at all no there is no open mic your wedding is not an open mic night just don't you can add something on your website that allows guests to wish you well you can have so many activities during the reception that let them leave you messages there are so many ways to incorporate your guests well wishes into your day without taking an entire hour hour and a half two hours to have everybody line up and give a speech it is uncomfortable it never goes well even for the people that do end up saying something heartfelt it's followed by five or ten people that just miss the mark yeah and it's it really does it drags the day on you have paid for these vendors time you have paid for the event space you only have so much time you want to enjoy every moment of the day and you want to optimize your time do not let your guests dictate your timeline by having an open speech section yeah Unle- it's like when as we've we've gone through and looked at our timeline yeah there's just not enough time to allow anyone else to be in control of it for a minute yeah you know nor do i honestly we have so many different groups of people coming so many like different relationships to us i just don't feel comfortable with it going well yeah and you and i are both good speakers and we are judgmental like i don't know why people don't think that like it's a good like okay (laughs) my uh aunt donna shout out to aunt donna she rocks um she is a wonderful human being and she has this thing where she's like erin you and i sound the same like i'm not a singer but our voices sound the same, like our speaking voices, right? <laughs> and so she, like, that's, and she's, she's, she's right. Like, we do sound similar. Um, but she was talking to my mom, and she was like, Aaron, let's do a duet. Jen, don't you think me and Aaron should do a duet? And my mom goes, I wouldn't sing with her. Nope. Like, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and lots of people, like, I don't know why <laughs> they don't also have that mentality that my mom has where it's like, I wouldn't try to give a speech in front of somebody who is really good at speeches. I wouldn't try to sing a song to somebody who's really good at singing a song because inevitably they're going to be judging you. Yeah. They're going to judge you. (laughs) And I love Aunt Donna. I love you. But if you sang at me, I would judge you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'd still love you and I would still applaud. Um, But yeah, that's just, (laughs) it's a good rule of thumb. There was a, there was a, meme or something that i sent you and it was like uh it was like singers watching a concert <laughs> yeah right? yeah and it's it's a uh football player in the stands at a football game in like, uniform so stressed out <laughs> <laughs> it's true 
Um, so yeah. And even if you have the most intimate wedding possible, still open speech time is not a good idea. Yeah. Like, let's not, let's not do that. It's, it's really not. <laughs> so how to have a successful speech when you are giving one. These are the, the do's, the absolute just do it. Yeah. Uh, number one, keep it short. Absolutely. Keep it short. Short theater is good theater. That was a, a piece of wisdom imparted <laughs> to me at one of the workshops I took as a high school student. Um, and it has stuck with me and my family for very long. Like it, it is just a rule of thumb. Like I said, audiences will not pay attention after three minutes of time if something is not directly about them, it doesn't matter who the audience is. It doesn't matter who it is that's speaking. If it does not directly pertain to them, which most most speeches don't right. at weddings, they will stop paying attention. They will start like messing with things, eating, clanking their glasses. Like it's going to become an atmosphere that's not ideal for a speech. This is something that like we talk about in just in the creative space <clears throat> concerning new media. Like now with the commoditized market of entertainment, like because of, you know, Vine and TikTok and, and YouTube and stuff. Right. Nobody can really keep their attention for more than a minute, which is why there's so many short form entertainment out yeah, there. Absolutely. And the same thing goes when you're giving a speech. It's just, it's just, I can't stress how imperative it is mm -hmm. to have it shortened and concise. Absolutely. Number two, use inclusive language and material. Remember, the goal of your speech is to wish the couple well. Like, yeah, I don't know what like a lot of people when, when they're starting speeches. A lot of the times I can't figure out what their goal is, like what exactly. they're trying to say. Exactly. Uh, because it it's supposed to be about the couple. It's supposed to be about their day. It's about the celebration of love and, and whatever. And some people just start off and I don't, I don't even know where they're going or neither why do they. they, neither do that. Yeah, exactly. Cause you start writing a speech and you think, Oh, this is really funny or, Oh, this is so clever. Or, oh, this is going to make the writing room laugh, but that's not the goal. Right. Right. So establishing what your goal is, what your message is going to be and using inclusive language and material. So not saying those inside jokes mm -hmm. um, for five minutes, that's going to completely exclude your audience because again, then your audience isn't going to pay attention because it doesn't pertain to them. They're not in on the joke. And then that atmosphere becomes hostile. And number three, read your speech to a few people beforehand and get feedback. This is like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why people don't do this more. Like you, it doesn't you, have to be a surprise Yeah, to you, anybody, but the couple. Exactly. You want to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Like preparedness is going to help you not look like a jackass. Also don't like read it for people, then give you feedback and then not take it. Yeah. <laughs> like get the no. feedback, don't get offended and then make edits to, because your goal is to make this the best speech for the couple. Yeah. This is not a hit on you personally or your creative ability or anything or, like yeah. that. Like confide in a few people that also know the couple really well, mm -hmm. who you know are going to be honest with you about things that like, you know, maybe could use some help. And then honestly, even I would read it to a couple people that know the couple and then one person who doesn't. Yeah. I was just about to say that because like we're, we're talking about that, that level of inclusivity um, mm -hmm. that you want to have 
because you're going to have yeah. audience members that don't know you or your connection to the couple, having that that perspective absolutely is monumental. Because there's inevitably some people that are invited to the wedding that have a very loose connection to the couple. And so knowing stop giggling at me (laughs) so knowing that um you have read it to somebody that doesn't know the couple at all if it is still meaningful to them if they're still like oh my gosh that was so touching you know that you have a good speech um and if if they tell you you know i didn't really get it there's too many things that are like too specific to your relationship with the couple there's too many inside jokes there's too absolutely you know yeah um, number four, very clear, uh, avoid drinking until after your speech. Seriously. If you're the best man and you know that you're not going to get you're not going to give your speech until halfway through dinner. Don't start drinking mimosas in the morning. Don't get drunk when you're walking down the ceremony and wait until after you give your speech to start drinking. You will have the rest of the night to get shit faced. Like I, and it, it's those few people. And you know what? If you don't want to do that, if you think I am here to just party and have a good time, Tell the couple you don't want to give a speech. I know that people think of it as like liquid courage thing. It's like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm about to it's go. It's not. It, it, it doesn't help. It really doesn't all. help. No. I, the, one of the weddings that I was going to be a uh, best man for that I didn't end up, I didn't end up being able to go to um, when they were getting, looking at the venue um, I had the person who ran the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an all all encompassing, all accommodating thing. They said that they were going to have somebody watching me to make sure that I did not drink at all Iconic. before the speech. Iconic. Like that was part of the thing that they did. They were like, "We're going to make sure that you don't drink anything until right. after your speech." Because let me tell you, even though it might break you out of your shell it will deter you from your message and it will absolutely create an atmosphere where you say the wrong thing absolutely the wrong thing um so even though you might feel more confident you will always be less um genuine and less successful in your speech because you are drunk it's 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 never gonna get you to where you want to go you're always going to overshoot no Mm -hmm. matter what yeah uh and number five use note cards not your phone uh but try to memorize your main points yeah try to memorize your message so that even if you get a little fumbled you know what it is that you want to communicate so at the end of the day if you forget your anecdote or you forget that little one-liner or whatever you still are like you know at the end of the day you guys have taught me what it looks like physically what love and commitment looks like. Yeah. And that is the message that you want to get across. So if you can throw everything else out the window, that's fine. And then give a toast and you're done. Done. Yeah. Right. I mean, practice. I, I, I think, you know, don't just write note cards and then read the note cards when you get there. Yeah. And practice and have them mm-hmm. just in case you forget your points. I tell that to my students too. I was told that in college. I was told that yeah. in high school. Everybody was told, do not just read off of whatever it is that you made notes on. Rehearse it and get it in your body so that you can make eye contact with the people you're speaking to. Um, you can... That, that, and that will honestly make you feel more comfortable. If you feel glued to your note cards or even worse, glued to your phone... Um, it's very easy to get distracted and to th- get in your head. I think speech should be part of a high school curriculum, not at the collegiate level. You know what I mean? I agree. I fully agree. I think actually, I think communication classes need to be embedded into core curriculum. I think so um, too. 
there is a segment when you're in 11th grade on argumentation writing and some debate um but it's a very brief unit and um that is why so much of my curriculum for theater is blended with both art history but also public speaking yeah um because i think it's important it is is. so important so we have quite a few big speech no-nos. Absolutely. And There's a whole list of them. A lot of these coexist with our things to do during a speech. Right. Like, number one, speeches should not be longer than three minutes. I have already explained why. Audiences will stop listening to you. You get 180 seconds. After that, it's bad. After that, it's bad. <laughs> you may think that you are the reincarnation of Shakespeare. It is not time to test that theory during yeah. a wedding speech. It's not. Yeah. Less than three minutes, please. Thank you. Short theater is good theater. Number two, your speech, like we said, should not be filled with inside jokes. If I feel like I'm intruding on an intimate conversation, it's because I am. Yeah. I, yeah. Inside jokes are like asides, you know, that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, quip to somebody in an aside, you know, just whatever. Not when you're speaking to an entire crowd. Exactly. And I, I don't even want to be like, even if you're like, ah, and the one time with the iced coffee, ah, you know what I'm talking about, Tiffany? No. Because one, if that was something only Tiffany needed to know, tell Tiffany later. I just, that's it. Don't include it. I don't know about anybody else, but it makes me physically angry. <laughs> like I, I, my temperature rises three degrees at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime that there's like an inside joke. Yeah, I agree. Um, This is the one that makes me really upset. Do not insult the bride, the groom, family, or truly anyone during your speech. No backhanded compliments. No, oh, I didn't think it would work out. Or when I first met you, I thought you were a huge bitch. I never thought he would Uh get married. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Or like... uh, um, uh, here's like my nightmare speech of somebody saying this uh, about us. After Max's first marriage, I never thought that it would work out with anyone. Or I was really hoping that he could work it out with his first wife. Or Ugh. I was so terrified for Max being a single dad to a daughter with someone else and never thought he would find love again. And you guys think we're exaggerating, but my family members have have done they stupid have physically shit said like that, that to me. <laughs> And it's like I that I'm so adamant against speeches because I don't want to give my family members a platform to or ever anybody. do anybody even a platform as, to ever even do that accidentally or as a joke, like because right. that's not funny. Like it's just it's just not funny. Um, it's not funny to say when I first met you, I thought you were a huge bitch, but I love you now, girl. It's like no, that's not funny and that's not comfortable. That's honestly it's rude. Yeah. I, I hate that. Um, This is funny. And oh, my God, I'm going to have I just realized I'm going to have to endure it every spring for the rest of my life. My senior <laughs> year um, in, in, in the art classes, you would give senior speeches and all the seniors would sit in front of the classroom of the advanced theater class mm-hmm. or the chamber singers class or whatever. And would give a senior speech basically on the things that you learn. And then people could respond to your speech. And every single response started with, when I first met you, I thought you were so mean. Or when I first met you, I didn't like you. But now I love you. (laughs) And I don't know why people think that that is an endearing thing to say. I have gotten that comment so 
many times. And you know what it is? It's sexist one, because I have a personality that is not demure and it is, um, outgoing and I will speak my mind and I, I uh, am looked at as abrasive and disrespectful. It's also a jealous thing because most of the people that have said that to me before have people that have been intimidated by me and it just doesn't come from the place that they think it's coming from. Everybody loves an enemies to friends narrative arc in fiction right. and they want to make that their lives. Right. Or like one of my dearest, dearest <laughs> friends, um, Shannon, she's a bridesmaid of mine. People will always comment and be like, how come you guys don't hate each other? Like, aren't you like just totally pitting, you know, your lives against each other? And we're like, no, no. Her success is a success in, in my heart because she is successful and I love her as a person yeah. and vice versa. Like, I'm never going to be upset that somebody that I love and care about is doing well or is happy or successful yeah. just because her life or her, she's similar to me. She mirrors some of the attributes or talents that I have. Like if she is successful, that means I have the ability to be successful and yeah. vice versa. Like, and people just don't understand. I that. think, I think it is a generational thing. Cause I know one of your family members specifically was talking about, uh, uh filmmaking being a competitive market and i said no it's not it's, it's not competitive it's, it's collaborative. collaborative yeah and um you know and it's it's uh, it's odd i think there's there's a need for specific generations for things to be competitive in order to feel uh, some level of success mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely um so yeah no backhanded compliments even None. if you think they're funny and as we because they're not no <laughs> And as we talk about that, number four, it is not a roast and it is not an open mic. Mm -hmm. If you do not feel comfortable making jokes or if you're not super aware of your audience's vibe, do not even try to make jokes. Do not attempt to establish one liners that you think are going to be so clever, right? It's already a joyous event. People are in a good mood. There is no need for comedic relief. Nobody goes to a wedding hoping for a free stand-up comedy show correct this is not the time to rehearse your tight 10 this <laughs> is not like your sketch comedy debut right and it is not the time to like dig in the uh files of you know jokes past and bring up all of these like moments that you thought were funny but are actually really embarrassing for the bride or groom or you know things that are never going to be funny during a speech uh, talking about times that the bride or groom was groom was super drunk or talking about their exes, talking about the time they did something their super inappropriate, history. Yeah. sexual history, um, anything like that. Do you remember those two hookers in Cancun? Right, exactly. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. That's not funny. That's uncomfortable, right? And that's when we're talking about inclusive language, understanding who is present, and then making sure that you – Making sure that whatever you say in a speech, you would also say in an intimate conversation with the bride's grandmother. Like, yeah, that that's it. That's truly it. That is that is actually a good thought is like there. What are you going to say that you would say intimately mm -hmm. to each and every person that is hearing your speech? Right. Absolutely. Um, so just some other ones quickly. Do not wing it. Like, no matter how confident you are at public speaking, have at least bullet points prepared beforehand. At yeah. least think about your at message. At the very least. I know that you have talked about you did not do that as a best man at the time. I did not do that. And it did not go well, did it? It did not. And that is disappointing because yes. that person means a lot to you. And I'm sure that if you had thought about it a little bit, you could have come up with something really nice. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, just don't do it. Uh, another one, do not make the wedding about you. No, it isn't. It isn't. isn't. No comments about other weddings you've been to telling personal stories that have nothing to do with the couple or the day. Right. Like, don't start talking about your sexual history. Don't talk about your exes or, oh, I can't wait to get married and blah. That. So what, bitch? I don't care. A lot of times I see people talking uh, like for three minutes about themselves and at the very end somehow try to tie uh-huh. it to the couple. Right. Correct. That's not that's not what you should be doing. That that's is not, the goal. not what we're here to do. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> and a good way to note this, if you look through your speech and a majority of your sentences start with I and do not end with you. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, there are so many other ways to format your sentences. Not everything needs to start with I. The only time that you need to make sure you have I statements is when you're communicating a feeling to your partner, trying to resolve a conflict. Yeah. Every other time you can vary your sentence structure. Yeah. Um, and then number seven, this is just a personal pet peeve. Do not physically drop the microphone. Don't, uh, as a sound guy, I will then shove the microphone up your nose like, like don't ever do that like i know kanye and jay-z made it look really cool but um it's not cool it's not funny it doesn't matter if you've had the super successful speech everyone is rolling right if you drop the mic afterwards all you've done is probably damaged some really expensive sound equipment and you've probably really irritated my grandmother's hearing device <laughs> because of the feedback that is just painful to everyone involved. It is never going to be just a mild squeak. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't even matter if you drop it on the softest bed of pillows. Mm-hmm. Um, don't drop the microphone. Do not physically drop it. Like Because then I will beat you with it. Yeah. Like it's just it's just honestly, it's just rude. Yeah. It's a rude way to end a speech. Awful. So <laughs> knowing that, um, here are some tips uh to make your speech the best in terms of when you are physically speaking and prior, like, so the formatting of your physical speech. Um, so rehearse it a lot, like a lot, a lot, like a lot record yourself, um, so that you can see your isms and make changes. Right. So all these tips are things that I will tell my theater students, things that I have been told throughout my long history of both public speaking and acting. Um, everyone has an ism. Uh, it can be maybe you do a certain gesture with your hands a lot that you don't like or maybe you're like pacing back and forth or you are like uh, really like collapsing your posture and you're inevitably like making your voice quieter Um, recording yourself and rehearsing over and over will and then watching the recording will help you identify your isms so you're more aware of them and you can rehearse correctly yeah um number Two, um, listen to your body, not your mind. This is one of my favorite tips. So excitement and nervousness manifest the same physical responses. So when you're excited, your heart rate increases, your palms get sweaty, you feel jittery, right? You're excited and you're jumpy and you're, you know, um, like you might be jumping up and down or you might be like physically sweating. Um, you have these same physical responses when you are nervous, you're jittery, your heart rate increases, your palms are sweaty. Um, the only difference is your mentality, right? So let your body be energized, but let your mind remain calm by reminding yourself of your enthusiasm and how much you've rehearsed, 
right? So find confidence in your physical response. So when you start to have sweaty palms and your heart rate is increasing, remind yourself you are excited. Don't let that physical response tell you that you are nervous because you can just as easily remind yourself that you are excited. I think for me, one of the the things that um, happens is I get, you know, when you get a shiver in your spine and Mm -hmm. your whole body, you're just like, Mm -hmm. like your whole body, you feel like you have to shake it. Um, That happens to me. It happens to Abby too. In a very intense way. Mm-hmm. When I'm both incredibly nervous and incredibly excited mm-hmm. and knowing that happens only in those two cases, it makes me kind of like it it, it helps to to make that bridge, make that mm-hmm. connection and be like, I'm actually probably excited. Right. And you, you know? can choose. It's like nervousness and excitement often go hand in hand. You can feel both nervous and excited because it's both the same physical response. And usually when you're really excited about something, you're also a little bit nervous that it's because it's important to you. Yeah. Somebody once told me, if you are nervous about something good, that means it's important to you. Yeah. So choose the excitement over the important, like over the nervousness because it's important and that will help you make sure that it goes well. Um, and that is something that like, I hope everybody takes with them. That's something yeah, I tell was, my students. It was super helpful to me to, to be able to bridge that and, mm-hmm. and to be able to, to yeah. mentally just say, no, I'm excited. Right. Absolutely. And then my last tip is to speak clearly and slowly. I know that we've said keep your speech short and you should. But inevitably, when you start to speak, no matter how confident you are, you will inevitably speak too quickly. Um, it's just a habit that happens with most everyone. Yeah. Even the most trained professionals in public speaking have to actively slow themselves down and work on their cadence and their timing. So take deep breaths in between thoughts to steady your breathing and continue. Something that happens with me when I talk too fast, even when I'm teaching or performing, I will like skip over big breaths and then I will run out of things that will sound like this. Right. And it'll be like very, very thin speech. And then I'll have to go. (sighs) Okay. And then I can continue to speak clearly And I have composed myself, right? I have given Mm -hmm. my body a moment to breathe. And in that moment, I remind myself what it is that I'm going to say again. So that way we don't have that thing where we start talking and we don't know where we're going. And it can happen in the middle of your sentence, right? I can start to say something and then take a pause and continue going. Those are called beats. That's completely fine to have a beat. Anywhere that you would place a comma is an opportunity to take a breath. (laughs) That's acting 101. Anytime you see a comma, anytime you read a comma, take a breath. You teach that in third grade language arts. Um, Let yourself take those breaths when you are having a speech as well. I do that as we're doing the podcast. I do that as I'm teaching. It helps, right? Another thing is to hold the mic close to your chin, right under your lips, and hold your head high. A lot of people make a mistake of putting their mouth too close putting to the their mic. Lips right on the microphone. Or putting it too far away and you can barely hear us, right? right? Establishing the position of the microphone is going to be super important. And no matter what microphone you're using, right under your chin, right, or right 
at your chin right under your lips is going to be the best way for your sound to be picked up and then ensuring that your head is held high that your shoulders are relaxed and that your spine is elongated will inevitably help you project no matter how soft of a voice you naturally have because if you start to concave your chest in if you start to lower your chin you're just going to start speaking softer and it's harder physically to project then yeah. if you were to expand you're going to feel more physically confident and then your chest is going to be able to take bigger breaths which help your diaphragm project more forward without even thinking about it right so knowing all of these happen by just lifting your head up and putting your shoulders back it's a huge tip and it makes you look more confident so you feel more confident and things just run a little bit smoother little things that you don't think would make a huge difference, but they're all compounding mm -hmm. on one another. And that's and on voice teacher. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but seriously, something like check your posture, check where your shoulders are at, check where your chin is placed in relation to, in relation to your neck. Where are you going to put your mic? Let that mic be an indicator of how your posture is being held. So then even if you are a soft speaker, you are still speaking clearly. Mm -hmm. Another tip that I will also say is to make sure you are physically moving your mouth. This is another singer tip. If you are having shallow vowels, if your mouth is hardly moving, then it's really hard to understand what you're saying. Abby does this when she wants something she knows she shouldn't ask for. <laughs> and it pisses me off so much because she knows and it, she only does this when she knows she shouldn't ask for something and she's going to anyway right she'll be like Aaron, can i get this in the start can i get i'm like what what and by the time she actually articulates she knows that this isn't probably something she should ask for so i very clearly just go no and next time you can clearly speak to me right <laughs> i cannot stand it do not do that when you make a speech Anyway, <laughs> um, so how to write a good speech, <laughs> like how to physically write it out to plan right. it. Um, number one, the first thing that you need to do, and a lot of people have trouble with just starting the speech, introduce yourself. Assume that the majority of people that are around you don't know who you are, like don't know your name, don't know your yeah. role in the wedding and don't know your relationship to the people because honestly they don't. Yeah. Right. Even if some of them do, you're talking to more than yeah. just them. Even if like, let's say we were only having a wedding of 30 people with our closest family and friends. I would and like, I would still want my sister to step up and be like, hi everyone. Thank you for being here. My name is Haley. I am Aaron's sister. Right. I'm yeah. the bride's sister. I'm the bride's little sister. Even give me context. I need to know who is speaking, why I should care to listen to you. Right. Introduce mm -hmm. yourself and establish your relationship to the couple. Because think about it from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know. Like, for example, um, somebody, you know, uh, one of my friends mm -hmm. might not know who she is. Mm -hmm. But if she establishes, I am Aaron's little sister, they who have siblings mm -hmm. can make it, it like an emotional connection. Absolutely. To be like okay, I understand this relationship. I understand right. this dynamic. This is going now, to be meaningful. Yeah, this is going to be meaningful because now I know mm -hmm. who, in a way, who this person is. Absolutely. And it sounds so simple, but psychologically, it, it makes a world of difference. Yeah, uh, yes. And then number two, thank the hosts for the party and thank the couple for asking you to speak. 
So if I were Haley, I would be like, hi, everyone. I'm Haley. I'm Aaron's little sister. I want to just take a moment to thank them for putting on such a beautiful wedding um, for my parents and Max's parents for supporting them on this day. And, um, you know, Aaron, thank you for trusting me in having this microphone because I know it's hard for you to give up. Right. Like, (laughs) there you go. Like, perfect. Okay. Number three, this is a Toastmasters tip. So Toastmasters is a global organization that is just dedicated to defining speech etiquette and um, encouraging more successful public speakers. Which is actually like, it's, I don't know, I think it's really cool that it's there's really, an organization really cool. mm-hmm. dedicated to that. It's who, it's, this is the company that, or it's an organization, not a company, but it is the organization that will establish most speech and debate uh, classes and like clubs in both high school and college. And then we'll have actually professional uh, workshops and they will like travel to different companies to teach public speaking and communication skills. So these are basically the best of the best public speakers. It's just a, it's a beautiful little additive flavor to our world mm-hmm. i love it i feel like i would love to work for toastmasters <laughs> I, I really would I think so too um, what's their tip though so a tip is to think when you are brainstorming your speech think of three defining traits that the bride groom or couple has depending on your relationship uh and then three stories that link you to them and then choose the best trait and the best story to focus on so if my sister was brainstorming and she was like, all right, so Aaron, like, let me get all the bad traits out of the way that I might think of. But maybe she says Aaron is, um, you know, someone that I can always rely on. She has always been there for me. Like, she's always taught me right from wrong. And she's always been like an inspiration to me. Okay, well, then what three stories will link those traits to the relationship I have with her? Maybe, you know, is the first time that you know, I, I had a bully and she helped me or like, you know, the first time I had a heartbreak and she helped me, or maybe the first time that I saw her meet Max that taught me what love is supposed to look like, you know, whatever. Um, so then choose the trait and the story that basically symbolize the message that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. And that will help you choose what it is that you want to say. Um, and that leads to number four which is making sure that your speech has a common theme correct that it's not if if your speech is going to be short and concise you know and and really well tied together Mm -hmm. it can't be all over the place you can't have trying you can't try to put too many lessons in one thing absolutely so that message based on that trait and that story need to kind of guide all of the things that you say right? Including any jokes you try to make. And when you have that common theme, so maybe the common theme is um, like learning how to love and be loved, or maybe it's honesty or um, responsibility or like, you know, anything, anything that really you feel like the couple has uh, just represents. The power of family. Right. (laughs) Uh, You know how I feel about Vin Diesel. Um, I hate that his name is even just poisoned the pod um (laughs) anyway uh whatever it is that you're trying to say make sure that everything in your speech follows that theme absolutely otherwise like there's no reason for you to be speaking and that's something that when you're asked to give a speech think about if you have something to say 
don't don't just give a speech because you want to say something or because your role dictates that traditionally you you should say something if you don't have anything to say be honest and like tell the couple I'm really having a hard time figuring out something to say I don't think I should be the one to give a speech and that's not a personal attack that's just I'm not I'm not having a good time trying to write this yeah and then of course end with a toast a congratulatory message and a cheers lots of people forget this I know that I have a hard time finding the end to what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and this is the perfect thing right just end it with a so raise your glass and say congrats Mm -hmm. to bride and groom it's it's like it can be super generic Mm -hmm. it just wraps things up nicely i mean like if you have trouble like i do and it was something like that Mm -hmm. where it's it's super simple yep i agree oh sorry i'm getting uh teacher emails they say not to put it on your phone and yet i did and it's just a bad idea yeah don't do that uh okay so now that you have all the tips and tricks to write a good speech, <laughs> I want to take a quick look at this article that I found oh, that's a true no. gem, 20 things not to say during a wedding toast. Uh, these are bad. Rapid these fire. So bad. I'm going to, I'll read the odds. You read the evens. Let's do it. Go ahead. Number one. Funny thing is I actually dated the groom first. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting number two you know the third time they broke up i never ever thought they'd get back together like ever that's actually something that uh, people that i know not us we've no. never broken up <laughs> no but another wedding that i was oh, supposed oh, to go oh, to oh 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 oh, oh. oh that would have been yeah. something that <laughs> yep that's bad <laughs> number three i'm just so drunk right now is anyone really drunk right now gross so bad on so many levels four kiss your freedom goodbye i can't uh. stand that i don't care who you are giving a speech do not make sexist comments just stop this is the 21st goddamn century it is 2020 ass one <laughs> no more of those comments anyway number five well no one ever thought this day would come what are you what are you achieving by saying that no idea number six her college boyfriend was cuter dead dead that's not funny in the way you think it's funny that's all i have to say gross it's not funny number seven we'll see how long this lasts i i imagine somebody trying to make a joke about like giving a speech at our wedding, trying to make a joke about how you've been divorced before by saying something like that. Even don't, as a joke, it's not funny. Don't want it. Number eight, to be honest, everyone thought I would get married first. God, stop making it about you. That's an older sibling thing, 100%. That is horrid. Gross. Number nine, John's an investment banker, so I guess we all know why we're gathered here today. Cue Gold Digger by Kanye West. Stupid. That's Just a backhanded stupid. compliment. I like, know. it's not even funny. It's dumb. Uh, number 10, can someone grab me another gin and tonic? Ugh. That's so stupid. That's just really bad. Don't highlight the, the fact that you think you need liquid courage in order to exactly. be able to talk. It just makes, it's embarrassing for you. Uh, number 11, and I, this is one of the reasons that Thomas, one of my bridesmen, is not giving a speech. Uh, you could have at least invited some hot girls here tonight. Get away. I, I hope every woman in the room beats the shit out of you later if you say that. <laughs> Number 12, I mean, in my opinion, the whole idea of marriage seems pretty outdated, really. Good for you. Good for you. You shouldn't have come. (laughs) (laughs) 
like then don't get married like that's all i have to say and guess what in your opinion i don't give a shit about your opinion yeah don't give me your opinion on that that's not that's not the goal of this wedding yeah uh number 13 i'm betting she's pregnant by the end of the year that's just that sucks don't do that oh in the same vein no i can't wait for grandkids or don't make any comments about like them starting a family because you do not know their situation yeah just at all don't say anything just just don't say anything uh number 14 at my wedding horrid stop making that about you nobody gives a shit about your wedding it was probably bad and it probably had burlap and lace together in a mason jar with sunflowers ma'am no comparisons this is not we we're celebrating this day we don't need to compare this day to another day you know no hate on people who have burlap and lace wrapped around a mason jar with sunflowers that's a lie you have full hate for that well it's i have a personal distaste i love sunflowers my favorite flower i just think it's quite overdone and the burlap and lace thing is very 2012 and we can move forward Mm -hmm. we can move forward as a society yeah anyway number 15 but really where's that gin and tonic this is not funny do not if you say a joke and it doesn't go well do not do Do not try it again later in in the speech it's only going to go worse and if people do laugh they're laughing at you they're not laughing with you (laughs) if you're gonna make a callback make it to something that worked exactly uh number 16 i think we all know what's gonna go down on their honeymoon (sighs) don't talk about sex on your speech uh Talk about sex with your significant other or with your therapist or in your sex ed class. But other than that, just leave it alone. You don't ever need to rant about sex in a speech. You don't. Yeah. Unless you are a like sexual health professional and you're giving a TED talk. And if, I, I think the wording of it is stupid, too, because it's like, yes, we all do. Why do you feel like you have to mention it right now? Also, like, it's so dumb to me because, like, we understand that honeymoon is, like, you know, you you had to consummate the marriage, whatever. Most people have had sex before they've gotten married. Yeah. Like, so, and then, and then if you haven't, right, and it's a religious wedding, why would you say it then? Exactly. That's even worse. That is even more uncomfortable. They're like, sir, God is present, apparently. Don't say that. Shh. It's not in his plan for you to say that. So (laughs) shut up. Number 17, I don't get it. I mean, he didn't even pick you the last time we played Would You Rather. That feels like a very specific thing this, that this <laughs> article writer is, like, upset about. She's she's shady about this. Honestly, it sounds like a very juvenile thing. Yeah, gross. It sounds like they're trying to call back to an inside joke, and it is both a backhanded compliment and isolating to most of your audience. It's so, bad. A lot of these sound like they were written by high schoolers. Um. Number 18, well, I guess I owe you 50 bucks now. That sucks. That's just annoying. That's stupid. Number 19, did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) That one's funny. (laughs) The only acceptable. Why do you think it's funny? It's funny because it's so mean. The only acceptable way to say that is to follow it with, now that you guys have gotten married, that statistic has dropped down to 49% because you're meant to last. <laughs> that is stupid. It is so stupid. Don't say it. But like, I'm trying to save it. And then number 20, 
let me sing you an original <gasps> song I've been working on. Okay, I don't want to say anything else about this. I don't want to say anything else about this because I will we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, we're just going to... Hmm. So don't say those things yeah. <laughs> at all. Just don't do it. Just do not do not physically do it. Uh, and there's more. There's plenty more that weren't even touched in this article. Oh, man. So many. Don't sing a lullaby. <laughs> and while we have shared a lot of do nots, we can't give you cookie cutter ways to craft a perfect speech because that will come from you, right? Following the guidelines of a good speech will help you brainstorm and it will help you deliver but it's going to be up to you to find those nuggets of wisdom or those witty one-liners that will cause your specific audience to laugh and cry, right? Because at the end of the day, you know the couple and if you were selected for a speech or if you are deciding who to select for a speech, make sure that it is someone that has significance to your life that will say a message that will be truly meaningful and that they will do it in a successful way. Yeah. Uh, focus on your message and all will be well. But I do have a tip. If you are really not a writer and you have so much anxiety over what to like physically do, or if maybe you're not as close to the couple as you once were or anything like that, um, I would suggest interviewing the couple's family and friends and comprising the best quotes, the best kind, sentimental quotes from the people that mean the most to them and then deliver these lines with the idea that you are there to share the love and well wishes from everyone to the couple. This will indicate that you've taken time to interview these important people to really like, like make this list of these quotes, right? So, you know, Aaron's grandma said this and this and that. Um, it's like that, mean tweets, but love, but love exactly. And it's like, um, and then like, you know, see the common themes of the quotes and have that lead your message or just, and then that way you are really just a conduit for communicating that message. It's not up to you to create it. Yeah. This will never be a bad idea. And if you need help composing it, that's when you can look online and you can see like, okay, like how is this kind of thing formatted? Never use just like a generic template. Don't go online and steal a speech from somebody else because it's not going to be genuine. It's not going to be personal. But what will always be personal is interviewing the family and friends and pulling the best quotes from them to let that drive your message. That's like my suggestion to anybody that is really struggling with trying to figure out what to say. Absolutely. All right. I think it's time for our hitch or ditch. We each find a wedding trend, tradition, or expectation that we would consider doing when we get hitched or something we would totally ditch. Do you want me to go first? Do you want me to go first? <laughs> sure, go first. All right. So I got a boatload of ditches. Oh. But this one might be one of my biggest ditches of all time. And I'm going to categorize this ditch not only at my wedding, not only at everybody else's wedding, but a ditch in general life. Are okay. you ready for this? Yes. <clears throat> the ditch I bring forth to you today is singing to the bride and groom in your speech without asking permission. Yeah. Do not sing to people if you have not coordinated beforehand. Nobody wants to hear your weird acapella rendition of You Are My Sunshine. 
that is a song that your mom and your grandma have a connection to Abby with. But if I swear to God, if they sing it on her wedding day, I will tackle them to the ground. Yeah. Do not sing randomly without asking the bride or groom in advance if you can sing and then be prepared for them to say no. Because you know what? I hate when people sing to me. I got asked to my <laughs> high school senior prom because my stupid ass ex-boyfriend grabbed his ukulele and sang a song to me in the choir room. And you know what? I wanted to kill myself for two and a half minutes. I hated <laughs> Hated being sung to because I hate being when people sing happy birthday to me. I hate it. I hate the song happy birthday. I hate the concept of when people sing happy birthday to me. What do I do? As a, what do I do as a musician and also a human being? And you just sit there and take it. I just sit there and take it. And one of the most disrespectful ways to just impromptu karaoke at my wedding. Yeah. You're going to sing to me at my wedding with no backing track? Excuse <laughs> me. Excuse me. Do not sing. Or honestly, I'm going to even branch out. Do not even quote lyrics to a song in a sing-songy manner in a speech or otherwise in general at any point in life. Go go do karaoke. Go sing professionally or sing in the comfort of your own home car or shower. But do not sing at me when I am in a white dress and I am about to go on my honeymoon. Like... What a horrible way to ruin the day for me. Then sing at me. So that's a no. <laughs> that is maybe the biggest ditch of all time. That's funny. I like that. And and here's the thing too, and I have to I have to make a disclaimer. If I ask you to sing, please do. Right? Our friend Jalen uh is singing as we walk down the aisle. Oh yeah. Something so important, so so important. Um one of my other friends is having some friends like sing um while they're dancing and like they are this is coordinated performance that have been like coordinated by the couple right that they have rehearsed and are prepared for i am talking about impromptu singing not having asked permission like Mm -hmm. because we have to set aside a moment for that because we have a full ass schedule for this event like and and to spring it on us is not okay. Just bring anything on us. Is I not agree. Okay. I you know? fully agree with you. That's funny. I I thoroughly <laughs> I love that. So I had a hard time like wording specifically how I wanted this hitch, um, but I'm hitching mm-hmm. for the not just the best man but the groomsman and all of the male friends of the groom. Mm-hmm. To uplift the groom for being in love. Because there's so much of this negativity towards the wedding where it's like you're uh, you're giving up your freedom. It's a ball and chain. You know, yep. it's it's there's it. A lot of times men are like discouraged for being love, being a good supporting partner. Mm-hmm. Um because you know the the whole you know you need to be a bachelor alpha male kind of like right pack mentality whatever um i know specifically my friends um you know i don't see them as often anymore mainly because i'm super busy with work and stuff 
but I know that I was seeing them a lot more often before you and I got together. Mm-hmm. And when we got together, I spent a lot more time with you. And I know that none of them are mad at you for that. Right. And I think it's very easy for a group of guys to to like blame you mm-hmm. and blame my relationship with you. On I've them. even blamed myself yeah. for that because of this in in like inevitable right. weird sexism. But my friends specifically, they miss me for sure, but they love seeing me happy. Mm-hmm. And they are immensely supportive of, of me and me having found love and and all of this stuff and i want to see that more in weddings also if if you are in this situation where you're like man i haven't seen my friend in a while once they were in a relationship he kind of fell off the face of the earth talk to him about his time management because i've had that conversation with you where i'm like if you feel like you're not spending enough time with your friends you need to delegate i and and make it clear to me like hey Mm. i need to make sure to establish Mm. time for friends, for personal care. Everybody needs to do that in a relationship, right? But as as your friend group, don't put it on the significant other because your friend is not managing their time well. Yeah. You know, or is not like having a, a equal distribution of priorities. Um communicating that in a loving way and and then saying, "Hey, like we would love to see you more." Not saying oh, well, you know, your girlfriend will never let us see you and be like, right. hey, could you like carve out some time to hang out with us? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, having that not reflected in the speeches or during the day at all, like it's the, the, yeah. the day is a celebration of the couple. And if you are my friends, I would hope that you're not going to do the stereotypical thing of being like, oh, last day of freedom or, you know, just mm-hmm. like oh, ball and chain. Be happy mm-hmm. for me. And uplift me for this really cool thing that is happening in my life. And if you can't do that, don't be present. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, don't accept a groomsman role. Don't make... Friendships, sometimes, they have a set number of years. They have a set time frame. Yeah. You are a, that person's friend for that portion of their life. And if they change and you guys grow apart, don't hurt each other by continuing to try and like bridge together something that's just growing in two different directions. Yeah. And if you really feel that and like, you know, be honest with yourself about that. I think that's so important. I like seeing these like videos and pictures of the groomsmen who are just as excited to be friends with the bride as they are with the groom, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because, because it's a happy moment. It's a happy time. It's not, we're not, you're not losing anything. Yeah. You know, there's only gaining. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to hitch is, is yeah. uplifting this, this celebration of love on the side of the groom yeah. and, and his friends. In heterosexual relationships, especially the groom's group of friends embracing the bride as a friend. Yes. As a human being, as Absolutely. a person. That's why I love my relationship with Brian. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like you were working with Brian for so long and like we had heard about each other. And the moment we met, we were like, we're besties too. Yeah. <laughs> and, <that's, laughs> and like your brothers yeah. have done the same thing yeah. to me. Your brothers are very much like, and I mean, oh God, CJ. They love you. Oh yeah. Like, and, and like CJ, and David will just send me random things. <laughs> and like, you know, so they've really like just embraced me and that has created such a good atmosphere. And I know that that's part of the reason that the people that we chose to be in our wedding, they're going to be a good thing. Cause my friends have done the exact same thing mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. 
I so. think it's it's funny. I think our friend CJ is very much. Uh, he's like so in love with the idea that you and I are in love. <laughs> like he's like he's, you guys are so cute. It's it's it's, it's pretty funny. It's and awesome. and that's what I want for for everybody. Yeah, and know? and know that like your friends are the people that have seen you in your lowest moments yeah. and now oh, like yeah. they're seeing you in your highest and you want to make sure that they're remembering that and supporting that even if it means that times are changing and your priorities have shifted yeah you know all righty well i guess that's it for this episode um but if you miss <laughs> us you can check us out on social media at something blue podcast give us a five-star review and support us on anchor please i still haven't received my first paycheck for <laughs> teaching <laughs> thank you so much for listening to something blue wedding planning with the 21st century bride and groom i'm the bride and i'm the groom with 385 days to go happy plant it's a nice round number 385 it is really i love nice. it um do you remember disney 365 and they would do on disney channel you don't remember that no listeners please tell me you remember that <laughs> <laughs> with 385 days to go happy planning <laughs> now i'm going to start a speech and could make you uncomfy <laughs> please don't oh i was gonna start one too i was gonna be like i always remember the first time we met and i hated you so much and now i'm happy i'm here even though it's not my wedding uh-huh <laughs>